Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, in case you don't know me, my name's Cade. I'm the lead pastor here at No Limits, alongside my wife, Beth. And here at No Limits, we're here to help you know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. And if you're new here, I want you to know that you're always welcome. If this is your first time tuning in online, thanks for being with us. This is a place where you can come and get equipped to go out and make a difference for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. All right, before we get into the message today, just a quick reminder of what we're after this year. Anybody remember, this year is all about... Team, all right, we are getting somewhere. That is awesome. There's a special anointing for those who work together. This anointing does not exist whenever you try to do it by yourself. This year is all about what we can accomplish together for the kingdom of God. So if you find yourself doing something by yourself this year, let that trigger something in you. Huh, I wonder how I can engage other people to do this with me, right? That should be the trigger. Hmm, I'm doing this by myself. Amy, don't do that campaigning by yourself. We want to help you. Now, this is also the year we learn to access heaven because God wants his kingdom to manifest here on the earth. And that can only happen through the body of Christ. That's us. It's time to say yes to spiritual gifts, yes to healing, yes to God's promises, yes to God's assignments. And most of all, we say yes to working as a team and functioning as the body of Christ like he intended for us to function all along. That's how we access heaven. Well, all this past Monday, I had the opportunity to go speak to a group of pastors And uh, when I was invited by the one in charge of the meeting, I was like, well, I got to ask you something first. What I want to talk about is how the church should be standing against this woke movement going on. So are you okay with me talking about that? And I was kind of expecting a reply like, oh, uh, never mind. Like we found somebody else. (laughs) Don't worry about it. But to my surprise, the leader was actually really excited that I had chose that topic. So I took the Jesus ain't woke message and preached it to a group of pastors And I explained how almost everything woke is an attack against children. And I reminded them that Jesus didn't just give us forgiveness of sin. He gave us freedom from sin. And when we tolerate sin, we dismiss the power of God. And we also got into how white privilege is a woke counterfeit of God privilege. Y'all, we talked about it all. And we even went into the church's failure to disciple nations. You should have seen the shocked look on their faces. Like, I mean, as I said, one thing after the other, after the other. And the statement that took the most by surprise is when I said this. I was like, never mind the fact that Jesus told us to be in the world, but not of the world. Instead, we've decided to stay out of the world and become like the world so the world might pay us a visit at church. Y'all, the goal is not to convince the world to come to our church services. The goal is to become a church that goes into all the world and disciples the nation. And they were all like, yes. (laughs) The light came on, right? They loved it. But everything I preached was from messages that I've already given to you guys here at No Limits. And let me tell you, the anointing was like multiplied the second time around. It was just like, man, I walked away on fire. And I even had a little bit of a headache that day. I wasn't feeling that great, but I was pumped up (laughs) after that. But I'm now fully aware that I need to take every opportunity to teach this message to pastors. Because they're struggling to navigate this issue. And God's given me the ability to make it clear and help them understand it. And because of this, I'm on a mission to get my book into the hands of as many pastors as possible. And so what we're doing is we are sending it to pastors as a gift. We're sending 50 books every week to pastors, and so 410 have gone out already. 
And as you know, there's a cost involved with this between like the printing and shipping and hiring the staff to mine the internet for addresses and package the book. It's about $7 per book to send this gift out. And really, that's quite inexpensive when you think about the impact it could have on an entire congregation when a pastor gets the message and they understand how to navigate this woke issue. This is one of those things that I could fund myself, but the Holy Spirit's been working on me. He's like, why don't you give other people the opportunity to sow into this? You know that whole, when you find yourself doing things by yourself, maybe you should find a way to engage other people into the process. And the reason is so that you can be a part of the harvest. You can sow seed into this and be a part of the harvest. So I want to invite you to sow seed today. And everything that you give into this is going to be used to send the book to pastors. And we, we're started right here locally. We started in Owasso, and then we branched out to Claremore. And Amy's the one that's harvesting the addresses for me. So what city are we in now, Amy? Yep. So we're starting local and we'll just go from there. But it's like, let's disciple right here where, where we've been called to, you know, the good old state of Oklahoma, right? So if you're giving by cash or check today, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you an offering envelope. And uh, if you're giving online, of course, nolimits.fyi, tap the giving button there and you'll find a culture impact fund. And so that's the fund that you need to give to if you want it to go specifically to this. So that's my team update because y'all believe it or not, I'm the leader of the church mountain here. Can you believe that? What a shocker. But it doesn't just involve our church to be involved in the church mountain. It also involves impacting the entire body of Christ, just like we're doing through this book. So while you're preparing your tithes and your offerings and even your seed into this outreach to pastors, I want to invite our pastor of discipleship, Chris Wills, to come on up here and give you an overview of what culture impact is all about. Give Chris a hand. Isn't this guy awesome? Well, good morning. <laughs> who else is thankful for an amazing pastor who is... Amen. I even have to tell you why. We're already thankful for him. <clears throat> but he is unashamed and unafraid to teach and to preach the true gospel. And that's what I love about this church and I love about our pastor. And that's why we're on this mission of changing culture. And that is through seven mountains of influence, seven areas of influence. And the first being the church. And again, that's what I love about this church because we take this mission of creating disciples seriously. Because that's what we want to do. Because it is way more efficient for us to equip you to go out and create Christians, to, to bring people to Christ, amen? And when they can come here, then we can equip them, and then they can go out again. And it's, it's way more efficient than trying to get the lost to come into church, amen? And then we also have the family, which is such an important area that we need influence in. Because when, when morality drops in the family, it begins to infect the entire nation, like once your family has a lack of morals, everything else, every other mountain is going to be affected by that family mountain. And that takes you right into education. That's why we're seeing the LBTQ movement. That's why we're seeing like the CRT agenda getting pushed. And you know, I don't even think some of those people realize what they're doing, but it is dividing us as a nation. They are causing problems and they're hurting our nation trying to teach this stuff because it's not founded on godly moral principles. And that also leads us right into the science and medicine mountain, because if you try to tell a kid they can choose what gender they want to be, obviously that is unscientific. I mean, that's the opposite of science. And at the exact same time, you're creating mental health issues. So that's a science and medicine mountain uh, tying together right there. 
And then we also have the Entertainment and Media Mountain. And again, you can just turn on the news or you can watch any sort of entertainment and it's all, not all of it. We actually have a lot of good, like the Victory News Network. Like if you need some good news, go to the Victory News Network. They're going to teach you truth. But we want to create teams so we can do this locally, so we can help local people develop good, godly, Christian content that glorifies God and it also teaches truth. And then, of course, we got the Government Mountain, and we all know the government needs work. But we are going to be helping put people in office who are willing to put God first. They're going to seek God first in all their decisions, and that's our goal. We need people who are not only have good morals in our government, but we need people who are fighters. We need someone who's going to fight for the truth, they're going to fight for what's right, and they're going to fight to put God first in our government. And that's what, we are, that's what our goal is there. Then the last mountain is the business mountain, and this mountain, we know we are called to generate wealth for the kingdom of God, and the business mountain can do that, and they can also fund these political candidates. So we can fund godly men and women who are going to change our nation for good. They can help fund the arts and media uh, mountain. They can help bring up godly news networks and all sorts of other stuff. So the, the business mountain is also extremely important. So each of these mountains have an extremely big influence on our nation, the way they think, the way they act, and but they also work together as a team. So all these teams work together for one goal, and that is to glorify God, that is to increase his kingdom, and that is uh, to disciple a nation. Amen? So we are on this big nation. We're on this big mission of discipling a nation. That's why we want everybody to be a part of a team, and you can join a team by going to nolimits.fyi. And then click that Culture Impact Team button. You can also see me or any of the team leaders after service, and we'll get you hooked up into a group. And the other way that you can support our teams is obviously by giving, which we've already collected the offering. So let's just go ahead and bless that offering right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this amazing day. We thank you for this time that we get together and just worship you and honor you and lift your name on high. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to worry about tomorrow because we know that you provide our needs, Lord. We know that you already know what we need before we even ask, but we're going to ask you anyway, Father. Give us the ideas and the abilities and the desires to do what please you, Lord. Give us those things that not only prosper us, but that glorify your kingdom so we can spread the gospel to all the nations. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thanks, sir. You know, I was thinking this last week about how disappointed I was with the, how the election turned out, you know, in November and a couple years ago. And then how thankful, like, I've changed the thankfulness from disappointment to thankfulness because I look around, I'm like, ah, the church is awake now. I mean, like, man, God let that happen so that we could be sh- shaken up and like, okay, we're going after it now. You, I mean, something had to motivate us to action. I don't know why it takes us so long to get motivated, but hey, God did it <laughs> in the way we'd least expect him to. Thank you, Lord. You knew what to do. All right, let's get into the message for today, and I'm so excited about what God's going to do in this message. It's going to be good stuff. But in this series, we're working through the book of John just to make sure that we really know what it looks like to follow Jesus, because American Christianity likes to paint this picture of Jesus as the super nice guy, politically correct, he doesn't require too much of you. Uh, That's a bunch of hogwash, right? And it makes us quite ineffective when we don't know Jesus. It's kind of hard to lead other people to Jesus when we don't even know who he is. But you're getting to know him real well through this series. So today we're going to witness Jesus kick off a slew of healing miracles. One after the other after the other. And here's my expectation for today is that as you hear this, it's going to release God's healing power in your life. Can anybody connect with that today? Can you, can you expect it? 
Just decide right now, I expect to have a, a deeper revelation today of God's healing power. So we're at the point in the life of Jesus where he had just had the encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus stayed with the Samaritans for two days, and then he went back to Cana. What do you guys remember about Cana? Have you guys ever read the story about what Jesus did there? That's where he turned the water into wine. And there he met a government official who begged him to come heal his son. And keep in mind, Jesus had yet to perform a healing miracle at this point. It hadn't happened yet. However, these people in Cana, they knew about Jesus because of the time where he made a whip and he ran people out of the temple. That's how they knew about Jesus. Remember that from last week? Interestingly enough, the Bible tells us that Jesus was welcomed into that town because they remembered what he had done in the temple. I mean, you think crazy stuff like that would run people off, but somehow it attracted people to Jesus. But what moved this guy into thinking that Jesus could heal? Because they had yet to see him heal. Can you imagine? Like, we've heard all the healing stories about Jesus, so we come at this from a different perspective. If you hadn't seen any of that yet, this guy comes up to Jesus and says, would you heal my son? Somehow he's able to sense that Jesus was standing at the starting line of his healing ministry. So this guy asked Jesus to heal his son, and in true Jesus fashion, he responded in a way that you wouldn't expect, right? Here's what he said. Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. I mean, come on. That's how he responds to a guy that's looking for his son to be healed. That's not very nice. I mean, shouldn't he have said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll pray for you. I hope by now you're seeing that the way modern Christianity paints this soft picture of Jesus is totally inaccurate. I mean, it's just, I don't know where they get that from. He would not be part of the woke culture of today. I can tell you that. Actually, the woke culture would be like uh, slandering him for hate speech. His post would be getting taken down from Facebook. I can tell you that right now. But Jesus ain't woke, and neither was this man. Because look at how he responds to Jesus. He said, sir, come down before my child dies. And I just love how this guy was not offended by Jesus being insensitive. He wasn't looking for Jesus to be nice. He was looking for Jesus to be powerful. And I think America could learn something from this guy. Instead of looking for Jesus to be nice about our sin, we should be looking at him to be powerful and destroy our sin and get it out of our life. When we look to Jesus for acceptance of sin, we dismiss the power of God. But when we look to Jesus for his power, the power that we need to overcome sin and overcome sickness, take a look at what happens. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word. Believed the word. I think we've talked about that a few times already this morning. Believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. Don't miss it. Notice this man believed the what? The word that Jesus spoke to him. He didn't yet believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Did you know that? Not yet. But he did believe that his son would be healed by the words of Jesus. Some of us who've been in church for years don't even believe the words that Jesus says. We believe the pastor that said that healing went away with the disciples. We believe the professor that says that sex is a freedom with no boundaries. We believe the doctor who says the disease is incurable. Why are we so quick to believe what another person tells us, but we struggle to believe what God tells us in his word? It's time to put a stop to that nonsense, because here's the deal. Receiving healing is as simple as believing the words of Jesus. If you need a healing miracle in your life, Jesus is not withholding. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. All you have to do is believe his word. 
When the doctor tells you otherwise, believe God's word anyways. When your symptoms tell you otherwise, believe God's word anyways. You must position God's word above everyone else's word and above everything else you experience. And this government official we're talking about right now, he did not yet believe in Jesus as the Messiah, but he did believe in Jesus to heal. And look at what happened. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. Then he inquired of them of the hour that he got better. And they said to him, yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. Your son lives. You know, my son turned one this past Wednesday, and his birthday brought back all the memories of birth. Labor was just getting started, but since it was our fourth kid, the midwife wanted us to go ahead and go to the birthing center so we didn't have any surprises, because she expected this one to come fast, because number three came really fast. So we got there about 10.30 at night. Beth really likes to pull an all-nighter whenever she has a baby. She's done it every time. But our next one's going to be different. Here's how it's going to go down. We're going to get up. We're going to have breakfast. We're going to casually go to the birthing center. We're going to have a baby around lunchtime, and we'll be home for dinner. All right. Do you agree with that, babe? <laughs> All right. So we got there at 1030. Things were pretty calm at this point. So Beth decided to lay down and take a nap. And I don't know how you take a nap when you're in labor, but Beth is really good at napping. So, I mean, if anybody can pull it off, it's Beth. None of the rest of us could nap as we're waiting for this baby to come at Beth. The one in labor could take a nap. And I think it was about 2.30 that things really started to heat up and napping time was over at that point. And about an hour after that, it was time to start pushing. Everything was going really well. The midwife was calm and, and confident. Beth was, you know, birthing a baby. So, I mean, I've been through this three times already. So, I mean, that's just normal birth. She's kind of noisy, but I mean, that's just normal. That's part of the process. And then the nurse checked the baby's heartbeat by putting that little Doppler on Beth's stomach and a little nervous look came on her, her face. And she called the midwife over. And in an instant, the midwife went from calm and confident to yelling instructions at Beth. We were losing the baby. But let me tell you something. I'd been studying and meditating on my authority in Christ. And so in the time of crisis, guess what came out of me? The word. I took authority over the situation. I said, Satan, take your hands off my child. That's my inheritance. That's my blessing. And you can't have it. Then I got in Beth's ear and I said, babe, everything's going to be okay, but you need to push this baby out right now. And she said, okay. And a blue baby came out two pushes later. And the midwife cleared the phlegm out of his mouth and Noah took his first deep breath and all the color just flooded back into his skin. And we had waited to find, the, find out the gender on this one. But the situation was so intense, I forgot to tell Beth that it was a boy <laughs> whenever he came out. And she didn't really even realize the problem that was going on at this point. She just knew that people were yelling at her and giving her instructions. So from her perspective, we just got real bossy all of a sudden. She's like, what is in the world? And so she looked at me and said, well, what is it? <laughs> I was like, it's a boy. <laughs> and everybody in the room was just crying out of the, at this point, out of relief and out of excitement, and wow, God's good. He's good. And all this reminds me of the healing miracle that we just read, because your son lives. Your son lives. And this is the kickoff to the healing miracles of Jesus. He wasn't even physically, physically there to heal the boy for his first healing miracle. He healed him at a distance, simply from his words. 
And this blows to smithereens the idea that healing miracles went away with Jesus. Lie. That's such a lie. He doesn't even have to be here in the flesh for us to receive healing. Even when he was here in the flesh, he didn't have to physically be there to heal somebody. Come on, somebody. That's good. Because receiving healing is as simple as believing the words of Jesus. Somebody's getting this. You got to get it. You got to let all that wrong, wrong thinking, all that wrong teaching just be washed away by the word of God. And healing wasn't the only miracle that happened to this government official. Look at what happened next. And he believed in his whole household. He himself believed and his whole household. His family got saved. They're going to spend eternity together in heaven. It's awesome. Jesus wants to heal you. He wants to save you from hell. He wants to free you from sin. Y'all, he wants to do it all. He wants to do it all. And this reminds me of another amazing healing miracle of Jesus. This one I want you to see on the screen. So this is another clip from The Chosen. Take a look. Jesus of Nazareth. I saw what you did to the leopard on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leper. That's a rope! Put it back, man! You are willing, Rabbi. I know you can do this. your tablet at least. Harry! Is he in danger? I don't know. No, I don't think so. He's got whom in there? Yes. Can you believe we're really here for this? Yes. Down. Whose authority do you teach? Answer me. If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God our own? Right? 
But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Powerful. So powerful. But did you catch how Jesus didn't just heal him, but he forgave his sins? Y'all, forgiveness of sins and healing from sickness is one and the same for Jesus. It's one and the same. You don't have a problem believing him to forgive your sins. So why do you have a problem believing him for healing? To him, they're one and the same. So let him take care of both. God's will is to heal. It's his will every time. There is never a time that God wants you to be sick. Never. He doesn't use sickness to teach you a lesson. He doesn't use it to keep you humble. Healing is God's will. Period. And there are at least nine other healing miracles recorded in the Gospels before the next one that's mentioned in the book of John. And they weren't all individual miracles either. There were also times when Jesus healed an entire crowd of people at the same time. Take a look in Matthew 8, 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a hmm, word and healed all who were sick. There's many people that believe in healing, but they're not convinced that Jesus wants to heal all. But the truth is, Jesus wants to heal all who are sick. Not just some, not every now and then, but everyone, every time. The only thing that gets in the way is us. God doesn't force his will on anyone. 
Yes, his will is for you to be healed, but he will never force it on you because he never forces anyone to do anything. He gave us free will. And the next story in the book of John illustrates this really well. There was a pool in Jerusalem called Bethesda. And an angel of the world of the of the Lord would come down on occasion to stir up the water. And whoever got in the water first was healed. Have you all heard that story before? So, of course, there was a crowd of sick people around this pool all the time. They were blind, they were lame, they were paralyzed, and they just kind of sat there and waited for the water to stir. And to give you an idea of the kind of people that were hanging around this pool, Jesus points out one man in particular. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. This guy had been sick longer than I've been alive. Jeez. And there he was, sitting by the pool, hoping that he would be the next person to get into that water first. And when Jesus saw him and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Seems kind of like a rhetorical question to me. Of course he wanted to be well. Why else would he be near the pool? I mean, anybody who's sick wants to be well, but we come up with all kinds of excuses as to why we have to stay sick. Just like this man did. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. I want somebody else to believe for me. Can I piggyback off of the pastor's faith? The doctor said it's incurable, so I have no choice but to live my life managing this sickness. I can't help but believe WebMD more than I believe the Word of God. I mean, isn't science the end-all, be-all? The intellectuals will make fun of me if I believe the Word of God more than I believe medical science. Excuses? <laughs> excuses, excuses. We can come up with all kinds of excuses. Jesus knew this man wanted to be healed, but his excuses were holding him back. So what did Jesus do? He gives him another chance. <laughs> he gives him another chance. Jesus said to him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. He gave this man a choice. You can lay there and stay sick, or you can believe the word I just gave you, put action to your faith, and be healed. Right? If this man would not have believed and acted on what Jesus told him to do, he would have remained sick probably the rest of his life. Do you guys realize that? But when the word of the Lord comes to you, and you believe it, and you act on it, and you line up with it, here's what happens. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat, and he began walking. Praise God. This is God's will for every person. He wants to heal everyone every time. There's no sickness too great. There's no disease incurable. There's no cause of sickness that prevents God from healing you. Even if you did it to yourself, God wants to heal you. He does. Because receiving healing is as simple as believing the words of Jesus. So we just witnessed the kickoff to the many healing miracles that Jesus performed, and one after the other after the other. And God wants to accomplish the same thing through his church through the body of Christ. So it's time for us to say yes to the healing ministry that God has for No Limits Church. We just have to say yes and believe his words. And there's many of you in this room right now, and you believe and you know that God has gifted you with the gift of healing, the spiritual gift of healing. But you've been wrestling with it in your heart because you know it's real. You just haven't seen it yet. And it's time to take action. Quit hiding out until you're ready. You got to make a commitment to renew your mind every day until you get it. Renew your mind with the Word of God until your mind lines up with the Word of God and you can step out and operate in that gift that He's given you. Thank you so much for joining us and a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. 
It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.